Good morning, everybody. It's a uh, beautiful, actual fall morning to come together and worship the risen Savior. I was even thinking this weekend how it's been, uh, it's been three months since uh, my family and I moved back to the Charleston area. Well, first time for the children, but back for, for Amy and myself. But it, it's been a, a wonderful opportunity to come back to, to home and to, to family and friends and relationships. Uh, but when we first made the decision to move back to the Charleston area, uh, we were we were living in Hendersonville, North Carolina. For those of you who didn't know, uh, and in order to come back, uh, first thing first, I needed to have a job. I needed some sort of income for us to actually live down here. Uh, we had talked for years about coming back, but in order to make that move possible, apparently you have to pay bills, and so I needed a way to do that. And so I found a job at this place uh, locally called. Harold Harold Office Solutions, uh, and I had interviewed for uh, a position in inside sales, but there was one significant problem. I'm not a salesperson. I've never done sales before. I've done food service and retail, but that's completely different from having a career where your income is dependent on the sales that you make. And uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. I'm not that good at it. Uh, I had a lot of struggle, uh, and in fact, uh, there was one day where uh, we came together as a team, and our, uh, our team uh, manager was reading this email uh, that meant to kind of expose these sales secrets for, for salespeople and things like that, uh, but just the, the language and the passion in that, in that message really resonated with me, and it kind of gave me that, that oomph. I was like, I can do this, all right. And so I, I actually looked up the author, and it was uh, a, a man by the name of Jeffrey Gittimer, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, and so I was like, well, I, I like the encouragement that this guy has to offer, and so I, 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 need, I need more uh, resources. I need training because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm struggling. And so I actually bought this little book right here called Jeffrey Gittimer's Little Red Book of Selling. Uh, and uh, and and. It's interesting because before he even gets into his principles, one of the main points that he makes, actually one of the the first things that he says is the important aspect of being a salesperson is believe you can. Having the mental posture for success, believe you are capable of achieving it, this belief must extend to their product and their company. He goes on to talk about if you want to be a good salesman, you have to actually believe that you can do it. And this belief will... Uh, give you the ability uh, and the strength and the drive to actually go out and do it. It's not enough just to accidentally fall into a, a, a good position, but to believe that you are capable of doing this stuff. Um, and thankfully, I was, uh, a week after I bought that book, I was transferred to a different position, not dependent on my, my sales ability. And so it, it worked out! But, uh, but, but still, it's interesting that even non-believers have the understanding that your, your belief system has the, has the ability, the power to drive the things that you do and are capable of doing. That's not a Christian concept. That's, that's a human understanding. 
Just as, as Jeffrey Gittimer was saying, if you want to be a good salesman, you have to believe that you can be a good salesman. Well, we believe that in, in every aspect of our life, that if you want to uh, be able to do something, you have to actually believe that you're able to do something. And in a sense, and in a much greater sense, this is what James is unpacking in this, in this section. In fact, in, that might even be the main point of this whole book, is that your, your, your beliefs, your understanding, have to motivate and drive your actions. That a Christian mindset and a Christian uh, belief system will drive you to Christian action. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about uh, James unpacking that faith without works is dead, that the things that you believe must drive you to do something with it. And last week, we looked at that, uh, how faith is revealed through the tongue, that the things that you believe will reveal themselves through the way that you speak even, not just the things that you do, but the way that you communicate. And this week... As we're looking at this passage in James, we see that uh, he, he's saying that the Christian faith is often revealed through wisdom itself. And more specifically, not just through wisdom, but through your source of wisdom. Because what you're depending on as a source reveals your heart. What you are trusting in as your source of wisdom and belief structure reveals what you truly believe in your heart. And he gives three specific examples of examining this wisdom. First, the display of active wisdom. The display of active wisdom. Secondly, the danger of ungodly wisdom. And third, the design of godly wisdom. Before we get into the, uh, the Scriptures and start unpacking them, uh, let's pray once more uh, just to invite uh, the Spirit into this time to, uh, to speak uh, through us and to us. God, Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time that we can come together this, uh, this gorgeous morning that You have given to us as a gift uh, that we far too often take for granted. God, we pray that we would not just uh, look at this as uh, another thing on our to-do list, that this would not just be something that we check off, but God, that we are here to worship You. That we are here to receive Your Word. That our very presence here is a, our, our, an offering of our time and our resources to be here in worship of You. So God, as we sit here now and we, we examine Your Word and You speak to us, God, we pray that You would pour out Your Spirit in this place, that You would speak through me. God, don't let this be uh, my agenda, my, uh, my efforts or abilities, but God, speak through me to bring Your Word and to bring fruit to Your Gospel. And we pray this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. Now let me start by saying that wisdom itself is not an exclusive Christian idea. Uh, in fact, I've, I've heard it, or the way that I best understand wisdom is that wisdom itself is the application of education and experience to everyday life. You don't have to be an intelligent person 
to be a wise person. In fact, I, I think uh, most people here, uh, well, uh, that are my age and older, uh, uh, there's a, a, a love for Forrest Gump, who I think we can all agree, he's not an intelligent person, but by the way he carries himself and the way that he interacts with the world around him, he's an extremely wise person. You don't have to have uh, book knowledge or uh, an extensive education to be wise. But this is something that, that is known all over the world. You don't have to be a believer to be wise. You don't have to be American to be wise. But as James unpacks here in this passage, he's driving that a godly wisdom should come, uh, that uh, the godly wisdom uh, should be displayed through the very life of a Christian. As we examined in past weeks, the, the, uh, a Christian's actions, a Christian's speech, reveal the wisdom that a Christian clings to. And first point uh, that he's making here, the display of active wisdom uh, even applies to all people. In verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. We've already seen that James believes that your faith, your belief, drives you to action. But James is saying here that a good conduct is revealed through meekness. And I think in our culture today, we have a... a, rather lousy understanding of what meekness actually is. Because meekness is not weakness. I think oftentimes when a, a person is described as meek today, they're almost looked at as, as a, a doormat, someone that you can just walk all over. But if you examine the Scripture, the, the quality of meekness is, is, is a gentleness. It's a reserved strength. There is power that is being held back in a gentle way. When I think of meekness, I, and I know this might sound silly to some of you, but I think of, of wrestling with my own children. Obviously, I have the power to seriously hurt my children. Um, and sometimes that might accidentally happen when we're having tickle fights and such. But, but when my children come to me and they want to wrestle and play and bounce on daddy... My agenda is not to win. My agenda is to, to enjoy them, to, to, to engage in the moment, and I'm reserving my own strength in my, my play with them. And I think for me that in my own relationship with my children, that, that for me is, is an example of weak, uh, not weakness, meekness, because there is a reserved gentleness and, and strength that could definitely overpower these small bundles of chaos. It's held back because there's, there's compassion, there's, there's, there's gentleness. In the NIV, this, uh, this uh, is described as a humility of wisdom. That there's a, a, a parallel between meekness and humility. Humility is, is uh, not 
being a, a braggart or, or boastful. It's not uh, claiming all the attention to oneself, but, but humility is not thinking too highly of oneself. And so what James is saying here is that by a person who, who's claiming to be wise, by their good conduct, they are revealing the meekness, the humility, the gentleness of wisdom. They're not boasting about their wisdom. They're not bragging or, or, or trying to claim their own efforts or ability in wisdom. But that the meekness and humility of wisdom is revealed by their good conduct. This reminded me of, of Micah 6.8 where it says, uh, Micah writes, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. A life of faith is not displayed by bragging, by, uh, by calling a, a, a spotlights upon ourselves. The life of faith is displayed through humility. More often than not, the, the life of, of faith and a, a life of wisdom is displayed by the people that are often in the background. James is saying, if you want to see someone's good conduct, you'll see it in the meekness and the gentleness and the humility of their wisdom. And humility itself is not even a Christian concept. But God has made it a requirement as it says in Micah, that the Lord requires to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly. And that's counter to the world's wisdom. For generations, a, a, a common phrase, uh, if you've got it, flaunt it. Go out there with everything you've got and, and just take it, claim it. Go get it. This concept of selling yourself, promoting yourself. Do whatever you can to advance yourself. And the word of the Lord says to walk humbly. To be meek and gentle. If you were to ask your own friends, and not just your acquaintances, the people around you, but the people that you trust the most, to give you three words that described you and your character and your personality and the way that you treat others, the way that you interact with others, the, the core of your identity. Would meek even make the list? Gentle. Humble. I'm not throwing these out to... To, to lay a guilt trip, but often, more often than not, we live in a world and a culture that says you have to promote yourself. And even for those of us here that, that claim the name of Christ, we fall into that pattern and that trap. Far too often we trust in our own abilities and our own understanding and our own wisdom. 
And that's where James goes into talking about the second example, the danger of ungodly wisdom. In verse 14 he says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is the complete opposite of humility at this point. It's a focus on self. He's, he's talking about jealousy and, and selfish ambition. When, when you see what others have, to say not just good for them or man, that looks awesome. But say, I want that. I need that for me. For selfish ambition to, to not care for the concerns of others. James says, if you have these in your heart, don't brag about that. Because that's contrary to wisdom. That is false to the truth. He's saying, as a warning, do not boast. Because that is not the characteristic or the quality or the behavior or the wisdom of a follower of God and Christ. Verse 15, he says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, spiritual, demonic. There's a progression there and an intensification that is earthly, not, not heavenly, it's earthly. It's not spiritual, it's unspiritual. It's not godly, it is demonic. That a dependence on self, that pursuit of the self and neglect of others, an absence of care and concern for others, James says that's demonic because it is opposite and contrary to the Word of God. I don't know if you've uh, uh, ever read uh, much C.S. Lewis, and as a good Presbyterian pastor, I have to at least drop his name once every few sermons, but there's a, a book that he wrote in, in 1942 called The Screwtape Letters, and even though it was written in 1942, it is just as applicable today as it was when he wrote it, but the, the entire premise of, of the book is it is a collection of, of letters from the enemy. It's from an, an elder demon to his younger nephew demon, uh, from, uh, from the, the older demon screw tape and his nephew Wormwood. And nephew Wormwood has been assigned his first person to basically keep away from God. And the entire book of the screw tape letters is a, a collection of the, these letters uh, under the. Uh, it's almost like reading the enemy's playbook and seeing if we were to be attacked spiritually, which scripture says that we are, this is what the enemy's playbook would look like. And more often than not, the thing that, that screw tape keeps reminding Wormwood is. To get someone to turn away from God, you don't have to make them hate God. You have to make them, him focus on himself. And that focus on self drives the person away from God. Now granted, as much as I love C.S. Lewis, his, his writing is not gospel. But it's a great glimpse of if we could understand how the enemy is trying to separate us from God, 
That's a powerful play right there. That separation from God, turning to evil things, does not necessarily come from a hatred of God or a hatred of godliness, but it begins as a focus and concern for selfish ambition. And that turns us step by step away from from God, from godliness, from righteousness. In verse 16, James writes, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Again, he's continuing with that uh, intensification, that progression of sin. uh, That uh, as you're abandoning godly wisdom, as you're relying on earthly wisdom, on spiritual wisdom, it becomes demonic. It becomes disorder. It is vile. I'm reminded of, of Romans chapter 1 where uh, Paul is listing off uh, the, this, uh, a laundry list of, of sins and punishments not because, or, or not necessarily uh, as these are the things that people are doing wrong, but as people turn from God, He gives them over to their own sins. God will let you harm yourself in sin to give you the chance to feel the consequence of that sin. In Romans, Paul writes in this list, and the the one that, that amazes me the most, inventors of doing evil. That the farther we turn from God, we're not just settling for uh, self-sufficiency, but that we're trying to find new ways of, of evil and harming to the point where Paul writes in Romans chapter 2 that He will render to each one according to His works to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. But, for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. A reliance on self-centered wisdom, a reliance on wisdom coming from your own heart, trusting in your own understanding, is a gradual progression that leads to destruction and wrath. But thankfully, James doesn't leave it there. He gives a beautiful contrast in the design of godly wisdom as he goes on in verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I didn't realize this the, uh, the first couple of times that I read through it, but the more that I read through it, I started to realize this list sounds familiar. I've heard these things somewhere before. And in fact, it's almost like James is copying his half-brother's Jesus list of Beatitudes from Romans 5. Let me read the part of Romans 5 for you. 
where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. As James is listing off these qualifications of godly wisdom, peace, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruit, he's, he's giving the very list of blessings that, that Jesus Himself gave for the people that are following God, for the people that are pursuing godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is not the pursuit of self. It's the giving away of self. Earthly wisdom says do everything you can to make sure that you get ahead, to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Godly wisdom says do everything you can to love everyone around you because you were loved first. In verse 18, James writes that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This harvest that he's talking about, this harvest of righteousness, this is the legacy of the gospel. In fact, what better day to even think about this harvest of righteousness and the, 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 uh, the legacy of gospel as we come together on Reformation Sunday. As we're celebrating uh, the, the, the church uh, to be constantly reforming, to, to do everything it can to come back to the core of what the gospel is. The harvest of righteousness is what the gospel is. The legacy of the gospel is all about God's faithfulness to a disobedient people. The legacy of the gospel is that Christ, God in the flesh, was not following earthly wisdom. He wasn't following selfish ambition, but he was the embodiment of godly wisdom that he gave away himself for a people that repeatedly churned away from God. And he gave himself away to make you new, to redeem you, to restore you, that one day when He comes again, that He will come again in victory. That when He comes again, that His legacy, the crescendo will, will explode into glory. The broken things will be made right. Every tear will be wiped away. Every sickness gone. When Christ comes again, there will be no more sin, no more sorrow. Godly wisdom is a celebration of that harvest of righteousness. That godly wisdom rejoices and pursues what Christ has done 
for you. So you can share that with everyone around you. And so I have to ask, what legacy will you leave behind? As you think about your life, your time here, not just uh, here at Two Rivers, not just here in the North Charleston area, but even your, your very life, your, here, your time here on earth, what legacy will you leave behind? Because all of us one day will, will face that day when our time here on earth is done. And when people look back, will they say, well, he, he just, he did a great job. He was always at work on time and, and willing to put in that overtime. Or she was driven and determined and no one would get in her way. Or will the legacy that you leave behind say, that was a person that loved other people. That was a person who had the ability to do anything that they wanted, but they used that to help other people. Will the legacy that you leave behind be characterized by selfish ambition? Or will your legacy point people to a godly wisdom? A wisdom that gives itself away because of the love that was shown to you? What is your legacy? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time that we have this morning to sit and reflect on Your Word and Your wisdom and what You have done for us. That God, in this time together, uh, that um, that You have given us this time to examine our own hearts. God, we confess that far too often we rely on our own wisdom, our own understanding. But God, we we trust in everything but You. But God, we pray and we confess. We come before Your throne and God, we say, we repent. Because You were willing to lay everything aside for us. God, give us Your wisdom. Give us Your Spirit. Let our lives be characterized by wisdom and meekness. Give us a harvest of righteousness for your name's sake. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen.